2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way, providing a seamless mortgage experience. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Send the tweets, send the hot takes at Ken Carmen C A R M A N and since I didn't do it last hour I got to do it twice this hour. The toll-free line which I just told you, 855-212-4227. Sponsored by Geico. Did you know that right now Geico's offering an extra 15%. That's right, an extra 15%. Offering an extra 15% credit. On car, motorcycle, and RV policies. If you didn't know, well, you got to get on over there, geico.com. Save money. You're going to love it. Save money today. Over with the fine folks at Geico. 855-2124 CBS, 855-2124 227. We welcome in Ryan Hickey for the final two hours of the show. Hello, Hickey.
0: Kenny, what's up, Sud?
1: Doing well, getting ready to watch some college football here, getting ready to talk about some college football here. I think that Notre Dame, we've had a couple of calls already earlier this morning, I think Notre Dame has to win tonight. And if they win tonight, they get themselves into the college football playoff. And let me explain to everybody again, this game at 730 tonight, if Notre Dame wins, you'll say, well, they beat DJU, they didn't beat Trevor Lawrence. ah That's the difference. I don't think people want to respect Notre Dame and Notre Dame football and what they do. I don't think they do. I don't think they want anything to do with it. I think that a lot of fan. If you're not a Notre Dame fan, you hate Notre Dame. That's usually the way it is. We constantly rail on them for their schedule. We constantly rail on them for many different things. Just many. Again, people naturally hate Notre Dame. It's a you-think-you're-better-than-me type of thing. They don't want them. They don't want them around. If Notre Dame wins, though, tonight... They got four games left, four scheduled games left, I know. Boston College, North Carolina, Syracuse, as well as the final game against uh, Wake Forest. If they win this game tonight, they should be able to win those final four games. As long as they don't do anything stupid, if Clemson loses this game, they'll probably lose tight. They probably won't be beat badly. They'll probably fall to sixth, seventh, eighth maybe, somewhere in there. The committee's going to naturally want to put in Clemson. If they meet again in an ACC championship game and you lose to Trevor Lawrence, you'll probably be not number one. Alabama will be number one or Ohio State will be number one, but you'll be top five. And if you lose to Clemson, well, Clemson's a top five, top four team anyway. I should say they will be top four. Clemson is probably a top four team anyway. So if you lose to Clemson, there's no shame in that. If you have Alabama and Ohio State say that they're in, then there's two spots left. Do I put Oregon in there? I don't know. We'll find out. They got to play defense. They got to replace Justin Herbert. I like Oregon. Oregon fans are really doing. That's not just because I got a couple of calls here from Oregon right now. I actually like the Ducks this year. But I I need more from the Pac-12. But if Notre Dame wins this game tonight and then wins the subsequent games, even if they lose to Clemson, because of what we're dealing with, I know. Because of all of this. Who means more money to the college football playoff committee? Is it a one-loss team from somewhere else, or is it a one-loss Notre Dame team? I know they would play Clemson maybe three times, which might add into that, but if you're talking about deserving it, they beat Clemson. Other teams weren't able to beat Clemson. They lost to Trevor Lawrence. A lot of teams were to lose to Trevor Lawrence. It makes a lot of sense. If they lose tonight, I think their goose is cooked. I don't think we talk about them for the rest of the season. Even as a one-loss team, they would have to, if they lose tonight, which if they do lose, and I think they got a chance. I, I like Ian Book more than some people do. and I really, I, I'm really, kind of intrigued with Tommy Reese as a young coach. He's only 28 years old. I'm kind of intrigued with him as an offensive coordinator. There was a couple things that I think Clemson showed last week that they're vulnerable with. I think that defense needs to step up still. I think that they might have got caught in a trap game almost, and they were able to run around there. But I think that Notre Dame has a chance. If Notre Dame loses this game, it will probably be, I would guess by double digits, 10 or more. If you lose by that margin, you're already number four. I would bet the, the pollsters would probably hit you pretty hard. I could see it ninth, 10th, somewhere in there after this, and with the rest of the schedule, you really have to hang 50 on all those opponents to get back into that, those good graces. And if you turn around and you lose to, to Clemson again, you're done. You're definitely done. They're not going to give you a third chance, and two lost football teams aren't getting in. So you may have a puncher's chance from the outside looking in if you were able to go get and play Clemson again, but again, you have to win that game. I think if they were to win that game over Clemson, they lose this and they win this game over Clemson, will they still be too far down to have a good argument against these other teams that are here? Because Texas A&M may very well be there. Now, they might not play in that championship game, but they may still be a one-loss team. Could you make an argument for Texas A&M? They made a lot of money. If they're ranked higher, do you leapfrog Texas A&M? You're also a one-loss team, so that's a possibility. But I wonder if you're buried too deeply. We had Matt Merchelle on. He tended to agree with me. So there's a lot at stake. This is not a team that's playing number one. Usually number one has everything on their back. They're the ones that that have a lot of pressure on them. This is not that way. Notre Dame's the team that comes in with pressure. If I were a Notre Dame fan, I would be sick and freaking tired of every single year – People saying that they don't they don't respect Notre Dame. They're tired of hearing about Notre Dame. And there's plenty of people who are tired of hearing me talk about Notre Dame, thinking that there's a way I can get them in the college football playoff. There's people who don't want them to have any chance in there. Even though they're in the ACC and them and Clemson play the same schedule. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Let me get to Michael in Oregon first. He's next up on CBS Sports Radio. Hello, Michael.
0: How's it going, Ken?
1: Not too terrible, my friend. Go right on ahead. Uh, first, I want to say I'm with you on Major League because I grew up in Cleveland and watched dozens of the Indians games with like a thousand people in the stands. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I saw Boog, I saw all the guys, um, and I've lived in Oregon for over 20 years now. And the Ducks just don't—they're missing something every year. It's—and they prove it every time they walk in to a game against Ohio State. I mean, they just don't—they're missing something to to make the big leap. It ain't going to be the Ducks. But have, what do you well, think the had longest their... yard? Which one? Burt Reynolds the or first the... first one. Eddie Albert. Burt Reynolds. It's it's good. I love Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds is probably one of my top five favorite actors, Michael. It's good. I just don't hold it in its high, high esteem as I do some of the other ones. And honestly, you're going to hate me for this, Michael. Like I put Hoosiers in the top five right here I as too. I was writing it down. I got Kingpin sitting there. I got North Dallas 40 sitting there. I got Field of Dreams there. I got The Natural there. I don't know if The Longest Yard adds in. I mean, Kingpin is as slapstick as it gets. Kingpin, to me, is a brilliant movie. I put Kingpin in there. I It, it might all still be ahead. I don't mean to disrespect you. It might all still be no, ahead no. of uh, The Longest Yard.
0: I think Hoosier and Longest Yards are neck and neck.
1: They're my two and three. Okay. So just, I'm with you. Okay. Well, I can I, I, Major I can take that. League. It's number one. Major League. I see, and thank you very much for bringing that up to me, Michael. Because I was a little bit afraid I was going to be called a homer for it. Major League with Tom Berenger and Wesley Snipes before the problems with the taxes, and Charlie Sheen and Chelsea Ross, and it's escaping me the poor guy who passed away who played Lou Brown, and Lou Brown probably is my favorite character from that movie, to me the best. Everything about it is great that you have to beg him to come in from Tire World, that Lou Brown looks like every no-nonsense guy you've ever ran across. It's all fantastic. It's some of the best cinema you're ever going to see. Eight five five two one two four cbs By the way, Hickey, before I move on to Tom Brady, I don't know if you got to hear it. I wanted to congratulate you on your new owner of the New York Mets.
0: Oh, thank you, Kenny. I heard I a lot of stuff, I did not hear that.
1: I know you're a big Mets fan, and I thought that his first move was brilliant. And let me underline brilliant when I say his first move was to get rid of all. I said it's like when Clemenza tells Michael before Michael's about to do the hit, it gets rid of the bad blood, this has to happen. You had to do it. You can't be taking former agents and trying to do your own Rob Palenka thing. You had to, for the fan base to buy into the ownership... If you bought a, a successful franchise and you got rid of people, I could see it going the other way. But if you're buying a franchise that's really truly on its ass and operating like it's playing in a, in a mid-market to small-market city when they're playing in New York City, you really got to change out that entire culture. So I think what he's already done has been fantastic. Congratulations. Congratulations. Kenny,
0: thank you. I love your Bill Belichick comparison. Right. There, there's no, like, genius here. It's yes. all bad. So just yeah. get rid of the trash. It's Ari Golden Entourage. You're fire. Everyone, get out of here.
1: Are they retaining Terry Collins in any
0: sort of role? That's a great question. I'm not sure.
1: Because he's the one – to me, he's the one gem. If you want to get a, uh, get rid of Brody, Van, run, 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 get rid of him. That's nothing. Uh, all the other ones I think were probably sycophants to the Will Pond family. Get rid of them. Uh, keep Mr. and Mrs. Met. They're fantastic. And I think keep Terry Collins and keep the guys who are in the broadcast booth.
0: Why why Terry? Because of his, his viral I just,
1: outburst? I, I no, I like him. I think he's a good baseball man. I think he's been a tough guy. I think he dealt with the with the New York media a lot. And hey, I know honestly, I know Joe Beningo's just retired. I'm not trying to besmirch Joe Beningo, but I remember Joe Beningo every day, Yo, bro, we gotta get rid of Collins. Bro. How long are we gonna hold on this guy? And then he goes to a World Series. He handled it very, very well. Because they're, New York media, especially the Mets and Mets managers, can be very nasty. Very nasty. And I watched Mickey Calloway struggle to deal with that.
0: That's right, your be guy. Put,
1: yeah, and be put in a, a huge disadvantage.
0: An impossible situation?
1: Yeah, he was put in an impossible situation with that organization, and, and he, cra- he, he did his best to not crack, and at the end he still cracked. I thought Terry Collins was as tough as nails throughout the entire scenario. And I, I I really admired Terry Collins, and when I know that they moved on, I know that he had what some sort of an executive role with them here over the last couple of seasons. Uh, I I would hope that they'd be able to retain him. I like Terry Collins. I don't know how your fan base feels about the guy. I would feel that he would probably be a, I, I imagine he's felt as in high regard to Mets fans. Hickey, is that true or untrue or what?
0: Yeah, no. I say people respect Terry Collins. Again, he was one of the. Uh, especially look at the you know the litany of Mets managers. He's definitely one of the most competent they've had over. In my lifetime of 25 years, so yeah, I think for the most part he's looked at pretty, pretty good, pretty well.
1: Okay, I just want to make sure, but yeah, congratulations. Save so, Terry
0: Collins for the, Ken Carmen's sake.
1: The thing usually when when a new owner comes in, and I tell this, I told this to fans in Cleveland when Jimmy Haslam bought the team. Not that I, I didn't think it was going to go where it went, and hopefully they got the nose up on the thing because you know how I feel about the Browns, but I always say. Buyer beware when it comes to new owners. I think the Mets, though, when you get an owner there who's the richest owner in baseball, I think that the Mets are finally going to act like the Mets. I think a team in New York should act like a team in New York, meaning that, yes, you are in the biggest city in the world. You're at an advantage, especially in baseball. You're at an advantage that other teams are not able to have because in football, you've got to have a good front office. You have to have good leadership. Uh, You have to have the right people in place because there is a quote-unquote salary cap, even though I think it's a myth, but that's for a different conversation. You need to have good people in place to help you out. For for football, that's true. Basketball, you're a mess with the Knicks, and I can't even say more about Dolan because they'll sue me, but you know what I think about the Knicks. And where you are in baseball, if you got a guy who has the cake, you can change around an organization and, and, and try to make it first class. I always warn new fan, fans of who are celebrating new owners, just be careful because what you could get could always be worse. I think that applies in baseball, certainly. I think that applies to about 28 of the 30 teams. I think that might, you, you know, no, because of the McCourts. I would say it's probably 28 of 30 teams. With the Mets and Yankees, the Yankees probably are never leaving the Steinbrenners. The Steinbrenners are never going to let go of the Yankees. But I would probably say the same thing, and certainly with the Mets, I'd say the same thing. This is the only time where there's a difference there. You could only do better. I don't think you can do any worse yes, than what the Mets have done. Yes, that is
0: – you're right. I don't think you can do you're it. You're very right about but, that.
1: But I deal with this, especially in baseball in my city, and I will tell a lot of people, when you think that an owner is bad, and they did this with the Marlins, and that guy was a bad owner. When you think an owner's bad, I always say it can always get worse. Just when you think they're bad enough, it can always get worse. And I warn them all the time, in, in sports like baseball and basketball, football, I think, has a very strong foundation in the cities that they're in. And you'll roll your eyes and you'll say Jacksonville. That guy spent a lot of money to keep that team there and to try to make that thing work down in Jacksonville. There seems to be a commitment with the Cod family and that city. But the other two sports, unless you're in the biggest of the big spots, I think it's always transient. I think an owner's always looking for something else, and I don't, I don't think that owner cares about the history. So if, if you're celebrating in any other place, I always say be, just be careful because they're going to run them like a business. They don't usually look at them like you do. They're, you have a couple of owners who use these teams to their enjoyment. Steve Ballmer, Mark Cuban. Dan Gilbert did that with the Cleveland Cavaliers, those three guys in basketball. Every now and then you'll see, you know, it's kind of sad because from all I know in Detroit, Mike Illich was a pretty good guy. They tried to get him a World Series before he sadly passed away. They spent a boatload of money and didn't do it, and now they had to roll back up and tighten their belts back up. But you always got to be careful about the new owners because you think that they're going to be a knight in shining armor and they're interested in making money too. 8552124 855 We'll push back, work or shoot, to 1240 p.m. Eastern, okay, Hick? 1240 p.m. Eastern. Up next, does this mean Tom Brady really won already? It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. It sounded like he read, look who's talking, you fat pig, like he had to write it down before he did it. "Workers shoot coming up at 12.40 p.m. Eastern, 855-2124-CBS. Did this mean that Tom Brady won? By the way, one forty p.m. Eastern, finally somebody else noticed, and it was a host right here on CBS Sports Radio. I get to do a little champion's pose later on. and And a person who I really respect, I really respect them as a host, and I really respect their football acumen, I saw this yesterday on the Twitter account by CBS Sports Radio, and I went, oh, we got to play this tomorrow. I want to play the whole thing because he's right there with me. He's We are in lockstep. And it's going to sound like I'm kissing his ass at 1.40 p.m. Eastern, and it may very well, but I'm going to leave that up to you guys. I'll leave that up to you because Tom Brady plays Drew Brees coming up this weekend, and this one's going to be a big one. However, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to say... We're talking about a lot of things, trying to see whether or not they've come to a conclusion lately. We made the announcement earlier today uh, on CBS Sports Radio. And, and again, we'll continue to fill you in throughout the day. Joe, uh, Joe Biden uh, is the current president-elect, uh, 46th president of the United States, the uh, major news outlet, CNN. Uh, Fox News, CBS, NBC, they have all uh, called it for uh, Joe Biden, uh, pending the results of the recounts and everything like that. So make sure you're on CBS News and and CBS.com and and make sure you're able to get the very latest and follow all those on Twitter. But we're paying attention to a lot of results, and we're trying to find the results on whether or not Tom Brady is better than Belichick. The only thing I do love about this, it answers a lot of stupid points I've had to talk about over the last... 10 years, quote, Bill's the real architect. Well, yeah, but you need the guy who's at the controls, don't you? When we would argue who's who needs who more, Bill, who, do, who needs who more? Is it Bill who needs Brady more or is it Brady who needs Bill more? Bill's the true architect. Yeah, he's a coach. He's a good coach. He's a great game planner and he gets the most out of his guys and he looks like he shouldn't get the most out of his guys. With the way their demeanors are, he looks like he should get the same out of his players that Adam Gase gets. And he gets way more, obviously, because he's smarter and he seems to be more of, a, more of a motivator. He's just better, better at the game than what Adam Gase is. He was better at that age than what Adam Gase is. It's a bad, probably a bad example to use, but you see both their mannerisms on the sideline, both pretty sullen people, not very, not very outwardly in their emotions unless they're pretty angry about something. They look kind of the same. They're just totally different. He's a good coach, and he's a good motivator. You still need a guy who's out there to be at the controls. It, I, I say this for a lot of coaches, and there's some guys, they they just get fired. They're here. They're there. They just get fired. I dealt with this in Cleveland. They didn't have quarterbacks. So you, you get a coach in there, and then he gets fired in two years. The guy doesn't have a quarterback. What else is he supposed to do? You mentioned a lot of these guys. Hey, Anthony Lynn might go under here, but for a while, Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn couldn't throw the ball. Vic Fangio, and I really like watching Drew Locke, but if Drew Locke were to fall apart, Vic Fangio can't go out there and throw the ball. Kevin Sh- or Kyle Shanahan, I should say. No, Kevin Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's doing the best he can with Nick Mullins. He can't go out there and throw the ball for Nick Mullins. He can't hand the football off. He can't call the offense. He can't survey the field. As much as Kyle Shanahan can game plan, it's hard to game plan around those injuries. So there's some guys that are just in a bad spot. Cam Newton might be at the very end. Would you take Cam Newton as your starting quarterback right now on your football team? If you were a fan of a couple of teams, maybe. But if you were going to say, I'm going to be a really competitive team right now through here on out, can you say right now without a shadow of a doubt, not before the season, not being a fanboy about it, would you have taken Cam Newton right now, not before, right now? No, can't say that. Belichick's got an arm tied behind his back. The other quotes, Brady's a system quarterback. Well, I think that's being proven day in and day out that he's not a system quarterback. He needs to be handled and handled, handled the right way and even handled differently over time because he's not 28 years old anymore. But I think he's proven with what he's doing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. And he's got great talent around him. But I think he's proving right now he is not a system quarterback. That argument is about as dead as dead could be. The last one I always rolled my eyes at, Brady would be nothing without Bill. I'd roll my eyes and then I'd stop and say, well, that's actually a decent point. Greatness still needs opportunity. I often wonder, I'm sure you've seen the Brady Six. They show the guys who are taken ahead of Tom Brady. And when you get to like Gino Carmazzi, when you get to Spurgeon Wynn and a couple of the other players there, I often wonder, I go, this is a six-round guy who was part of four quarterbacks with the New England Patriots, and the head coach said, we got to make sure we're able to keep Tom Brady on this roster. I don't want Tom Brady going anywhere. Tom Brady has great talent and might have been able to separate himself from the rest. Johnny Unitas was able to do that after he was cut. A couple of other guys have been great stories. Kurt Warner's a Hall of Famer, and Kurt Warner's story is, is very famous. But I often wonder, if he was taken by the Cleveland Browns instead of Spurgeon Wynn, do we get to see the type of talent that we see with Tom Brady or is he also-ran? Does he get cut and then picked up by New England later on because a guy like Bill Belichick likes him and maybe we still get to tell that tale? I'm not sure. Because remember in that season right before Tom Brady took over, the main argument, and guys like Bob Ryan will tell you, they were thinking that Bill Belichick was going to be fired at the end of that season. 5-11 before that, Bill Belichick goes and buries a football after they lose another one, and it looks like Bill Belichick's out of there. And then things start to turn around after the injury with Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady takes over. If Tom Brady's not there, do do we ever get to see Belichick give him a chance? So there had to be something with Bill Belichick where he knew something was special about Tom Brady. So as much as I still want to fight that, I don't know if Tom Brady would have been given the opportunity to be the type of quarterback that he's become to at least start off to become the type of quarterback that he's become without Bill Belichick in his quarter. I think only if Tom Brady is able to win the Super Bowl this year with Tampa Bay can we say it. Because I think if they were still together, they would not be 2-5. and five. They would probably still be around 500, maybe a game over 500 at this juncture, maybe at 4-3, and three, somewhere in there. Maybe 3-4, and somewhere in there. Maybe. Who knows? And we'd be arguing whether or not Tom made the right call or didn't make the right call. Maybe it was just time for a clean break. I just think it's a bit too early. I think it's really premature to start saying that Tom Brady won and Bill Belichick lost. Because I don't think it really matters in the long term. In 20 years, both will be in the Hall of Fame. Both will be legends. If Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl with this team, it will change his legacy. But if Tom Brady goes to the NFC Championship game and then next year goes back to an NFC Championship game or goes to the playoffs and they lose or the bottom happens to fall out on Tom Brady and he says, all right, that's it and that's all. I'm done. It's been a great run. I'm going to retire from the NFL. I'll see you in Canton in five years. It's not that big of a footnote in his history. You'll remember him for nine Super Bowl appearances Six championships, you'll remember him as a Patriot, he'll go in as a Patriot, and the only thing he will have is that his career, as long as these things stay on this trajectory, his career didn't end the same way Namaths did, Unitus's did, even Brett Favre's did, where they were just completely out of gas. That's what their legacy's going to be. The only way that Tom Brady wins this, quote-unquote, isn't if Bill Belichick doesn't make the playoffs, he's got to win the Super Bowl. I don't think he cares, but if we're having the argument, he's got to win the Super Bowl. And if he doesn't, I think it's a forgotten footnote in his history 20, 30, 40 years from now. 855-212-4CBS. Up next, work or shoot. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by the fine folks at GEICO. Get an extra 50% credit on car, motorcycle, RV policies. This on top of what Geico could already save you. What are you waiting for? Visit Geico get, Geico.com to learn more. Coming up, do you want me to go over Rudy later on in the show, Hick?
0: I'd love to get your thoughts. I was very All entertained right. by your thread you had last night.
1: Some people are like, Ken, how drunk are you? I go, I said back on Monday that I was going to live tweet this movie. Stop. I don't have to be drunk all the time. I'm drunk a lot of the time. I don't need to be drunk all the time. I wasn't even drinking last night. How you like that, huh? Wasn't even drinking.
0: I love how yeah. oh, that's always the first thought. Ken, jeez, really? That drunk and that that's bored? How, the
1: people are getting in going, Ken, how, how many beers have you had? How, many, how much black velvet have you had tonight? I go, nothing. I, and I wouldn't drink any whiskey because I'm not going to drink whiskey before a morning show. I rarely, rarely get into the creature before a morning show. It makes me nasally. You drink a little bit too much of the creature, man, you get you get nasally. You don't want that. For all you guys out there, let that be a lesson to you. You'll always know if they think you're hungover, if you got that nasally going on there, amongst other things. You know, if you're going on a ski trip. All right, you ready there, Hick?
0: Whoa, okay.
1: All right, let's do it. It's time for Work or Shoot. Now, we all know the name of the game of Work or Shoot. Work or Shoot is like true or false. A work is true, shoot. Wait, no, a work is false, a shoot is true, but it's backwards, so it's like false or true, except it's true or false, but it's work or shoot. Remember, work is false, shoot is true, so it's true or false, but it's actually false or true, but it's supposed to be true or false, but it's actually called work or shoot. Let's get going.
0: The most non-confusing game we can possibly play on the radio, so let's go, Kenny. Good news if you're a college football fan. For the first time this fall, all five Power 5 conferences are in action as the Pac-12 kicks off their season today. Now, two Pac-12 teams are ranked in the current top 25 as Oregon ah, sits at number 12, ah, while USC oh. sits at number 20. After yeah. through the uh, first two months of the season, three teams, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, have separated themselves from the pac with that fourth and final college football playoff spot very much up for grabs. So, Kenny, work or shoot. The Pac-12 will claim that fourth and final college football playoff spot.
1: Well, judging by what I've just seen out of this drive from USC against Arizona State, I say yes. I say it'll be USC. No, that's a that's a joke. That's a joke. I can't say that's a shoot. Just Definitely yet. no
0: overreaction. <laughs> uh, one got, drive. Yeah, let's do it.
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't say I have that much. I guys, I like Notre Dame. All right, if I'm a fan of any big time college football team, like a fan, I guess it might be close to Notre Dame. Even though I told you, I just like a lot of programs and a lot of coaches. Uh, I, there's something I always kind of enjoyed about Notre Dame, and I think it's cool. I, I still think they're going to lose tonight, and I think they're probably going to lose tonight by double digits. I think they'll probably lose somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 to 21, and if it's on the back end of that, I think they're going to slide right down the rankings and they're not going to be a thought of again. I've, even if they beat Clemson, Clemson, I don't know if that's going to be enough to save them because you'll have, more than likely, you'll have another one-loss team that's going to be ranked above them that people are going to say should be put ahead of them. Because even if Clemson were to lose, if Clemson lost to Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, would that kick Clemson right out? Maybe, maybe, but I don't know if it would in a year like this because I think your blue bloods right now, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, if Oklahoma wouldn't have messed anything up, they would have been them in there as well. I think that that's what they want to do. They want to go with what they know. During uncertain times, you always go back to habits. Whether they're good habits or bad habits, that's on the individual. And I think it's the same in business, and it's the same in sports, and it's certainly the same in college football. If they lose tonight by 17, 21, somewhere in there, no. Because now, even though DJ used the next guy up, they'll just say, oh, you lost to the backup by a ton. What are you doing? It, it, we can load words and use them against you in the media. We do it all the time. All the time. Next.
0: All right, Kenny, so speaking of the Pac-12, they have an ex—they have extra intrigue surrounding their debut today because of a quirky schedule they're rolling out. USC-Arizona State is already underway, as you just mentioned. USC scored a touchdown. They're up 7-3 in the first quarter. But they are featured as the big noon kickoff of the day, meaning that local timeout in Los Angeles, the kickoff time is 9 a.m. This is the <laughs> first time the Pac-12 has dabbled with playing with early games in order to get more attention on their conference. So work or shoot. Pac-12 after dark is better for the conference than Pac-12 after breakfast.
1: I disagree. I think I think a healthy mix. I think a healthy mix is okay. But boy, this is this is tough. I want to know what the numbers are going to be for this game cuz this is I'm watching some quality football here and I actually like Arizona State. I'm 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 really I'm surprised what Herm Edwards has been able to do with Arizona State. I I thought that was going to be a total Miss fire and he'd be back on ESPN in a couple of years. And he's done pretty well with Arizona State so far. I mean, decently well with Arizona State. Um, I think they could do a nice mix. I don't think they need to be playing at 9 a.m. Pacific time. I think that's very – I mean, you're looking at getting guys up, what time, 5 a.m.? Get ready for a 9 a.m. game?
0: Probably even what time early, you're rolling right? out of bed? Probably I mean, 4 good, good.
1: Well, if you look at an NFL game, well, I used to cover Manziel, and he used to get out of bed around 11. <laughs> but an NFL game that starts at 1, a lot of guys will wake up at about 7 a.m., even earlier, 6 a.m. So six, six hours?
0: So you're looking at, you know, yeah. three or you're looking at probably 4 a.m. for a college triple for a 9 a.m. Yeah, a. That's,
1: that's way too early, That's man. wild. I, I wake up at 3.21 in the morning, and people go, Kenny, what are you doing? Uh, these are college players. You can't mess with their rods and cones that much because I can't go – from 9 a.m. college football because I wanted to say it's a mix. I can't go from 9 a.m. local time to 7 p.m. local time and expect the same type of performance week to week. Pa- the Pac-12 should not be a slave to that system. No, I do think maybe we can find a happy medium. You have a games that usually start. You have a you have a noon game, then you usually have 3:30, right? Somewhere in there, yes. at The CBS on now I know the SEC is maybe leaving, which I think is a terrible move by them, but regardless. Uh, the SEC on CBS game starts around 3.30, and the other games start around 3.30, so there's like a second wave. Can you start, if you're the Pac-12, and, but they're on Fox, and Fox is going to want a noon kickoff. They're, that's their whole thing. It's a big noon kickoff. Can you – okay, can you get – one now I'm spitballing. Can you get one team, or can you get a team every week, one time, six weeks – you're starting at 9 a.m.
0: before a bye. I think you – yeah.
1: That, I think, is a nice mix. How about that?
0: I think also the Pac-12 was smart. If yeah. they want to have one team make the playoff, you do not You do your best to avoid having your best team yep. play at 9 a.m.
1: There you go. So you're, you're right about that. But I think a nice happy meet because for a second I go, man, what about 2 o'clock? You jump the gun on anything else? I go, no, because that's still going to be early. I mean – Hell, it's just a couple hours later. You're playing at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. is still early. Now, I know they do it in the I Big 12. I was just going to say, a
0: lot of teams do, to be fair, yeah. in the Central Time Zone, to do play fair. at 11.
1: Uh, they do, but I still wouldn't want that if I was the Pac-12. The Pac-12, if I were the Pac-12, i go, you know, we got Los Angeles. It, these are major markets here. We deserve some damn respect, too. That's what I would say if I was one of the people in the Big 12, or the Pac-12.
0: They are the I, ABC Game of the Week today, also.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. like, you
0: know, they're just ignored totally. I
1: think you could – yeah, but I think late night – I mean, Pac-12 football, late night late night Pac-12 action is basically the same thing as it is for Maxion. It's gambling, right?
0: But it's also too – like, it's not good teams. It's like Washington State taking on, like, Oregon State. It's never yeah. Oregon or USC kicking off at 1030. Yeah, because yeah. even when they it, have
1: Oregon on, they play that game at 7 o'clock Eastern. Right,
0: so people yeah. can watch.
1: I think they could do a nice rotation of if they really want a noon kickoff on Fox – and make that, I would say, make that part of their network. Share it. Because if you're going to have, say you're going to have a whole season of, co- of college football kickoff, can you do a Pac-12 game four times at noon and the rest be Big Ten games? Can you do it that way? If, if you're Fox, that might be able to work out. Because then, you no, you don't have to have Washington State and Oregon State, no offense. You don't need to have those two play. You know, you don't need the the teams that might struggle. But if you got a big matchup and you really want to put something there, okay, we got USC, we got Oregon, and we're gonna start this thing at 9 a.m. local time. It's the big noon kickoff. You could do that once. You might be able to do that. So, yeah, I think there could be a boy. That's a long answer. I think there could be a way that this thing could be fixed. Next.
0: All right, Kenny. So we'll go to the little NFL here. Wait, whoa! Did you call me, Kenny?
1: Oh, I thought you called me Carmi. I said, "What the? Who the hell Ooh,
0: calls me that?" Oh no, no. I okay. made one mistake this week of, of a bad nickname. I'm not going to go try it again here.
1: Yeah, he called Francisco Lindor Lindy. Nobody in Cleveland has ever called Francisco Lindor Lindy.
0: You sounded, like a, news
1: re- he sounded like a like a freaking news reporter from the 1940s. Ah, Lindy crosses the Atlantic. Hey, look
0: at that play out there, shortstop by Lindy. Oh yeah, that's kind of a. That was okay. Let's just yeah, do
1: that again. So, Kenny,
0: Kenny, Sunday night marks the return of Antonio Brown, who will debut with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they take on the Saints. Now, as we've seen in past experiences, Brown has been anything but a good teammate. Whether it was the Steelers, the Raiders, or the Patriots, they all had to cut bait with Brown because of off-the-field issues. So work or shoot, Antonio Brown hurts, not helps, the Buccaneers' chances of winning the Super Bowl.
1: What do you think I'm going to say?
0: I think you're going to say this is a work, meaning that it is false.
1: You think, wow, you called the swerve before I swerved you. I'm getting boring. Yeah, it's a work.
0: I got a feeling it's going to work out. I know you like the back of my hand.
1: I got a feeling it's going to work out. I do. I got a weird feeling it's going to work out. And, and What I mean by work out is that he will play until the end of the season on the team. Does that make any sense to you? Like he, no, it does, he, yeah. He will finish a successful completion to the game to the season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That That is what the goal should be, that he doesn't end up in trouble before the end of the year or cut. I actually think this one will work. I don't know how much it actually helps them. I don't know if they're going to win a Super Bowl with them. I think they already had great talent. And I know they, Chris Godwin got hurt and a couple other guys. I still think they already had great talent. Um, but it's it's a nice insurance policy. He likes to stay in good shape. He'll probably pick it up pretty well. Tom Brady will be able to find him. It'll probably work out to their to their ends. But yeah, he'll complete a successful st- season as a member intact of an NFL football team. There you go.
0: We'll go back to college football, Ken. How about this? Okay. Jackson State made some headlines back in September uh, when they hired Dion Sanders to be their next head coach. Now, earlier this week, Sanders got his first big commitment, a four-star quarterback that also happens to be his son, Shador Sanders. Now, Sanders, who was initially committed to FIU, decided to play for his dad because he claimed there's was an opportunity that he couldn't pass up. So work or shoot, Shador Sanders will regret playing college football for his father.
1: What were the other offers you said he had? He committed to FAU. I don't
0: know the other offers, but he committed to FAU. Yes,
1: he's a four-star recruit, right? Yes,
0: four-star quarterback. Out of Texas.
1: I, I've long been like there. We've seen other guys, and I, I think this is usually the normal. It's not my standard; it's everybody else. If you're good enough to play, if you're a Bayheim and you're good enough to play at Syracuse, you play at Syracuse. If you're not, and we've seen that, then or at least that's what Daddy thought. Uh, then don't play at Syracuse. If you're better than where the dad coaches at, then go to a better program and get a better opportunity. I think it's supposed to be about the kid. I think I want Deion Sanders to work out. I love Deion Sanders. He's my favorite athlete from when I was a kid. I think this is a mess. I'm watching him doing a press conference one day on college football for as a head coach of a college football team, and then he's on Barstool the next doing a pick I don't know if you can do two things at once there man. I I like you got to be recruiting. You got to be getting those guys to come there. This is a this is a big opportunity for Jackson State, man. It's a big time to put their put their foot right down on the map and, and get back out there and and really puff out their chest. They're not just like it's not the Bayou Classic, not just that. Like they have a good football program with somebody who's very well known. And it ju- I hope I'm wrong about this, and I hope I can say that I'm wrong about this later on. It just does it feel a little half assed to you by Dion?
0: Oh, t- I mean, totally. That's Okay. It feels like yeah, he's it, living off the name, and that's yeah,
1: it. Yeah, it comes off really half assed. And I think if this thing is half assed, then it's going to be the players who suffer. It's the program who suffers, and that's going to put him back. I, I want more commitment out of Deion Sanders. I love Deion C- Sanders, man. It really pains me to say that. But this feels so gimmicky. I don't. It's like when they. It's like when a company takes a famous person, they put them on their board. It's like, ah, oh, you're on our board, yeah, just to get some attention. This is how this feels. I don't like this. And he's he's a son, so maybe it'll make him take it more seriously. But I don't know. If if I were if I were his young man, I would probably just head right to FAU and and, and go to a structured program, or at least as structured as I possibly could. That's the way I would do it.
0: And could you imagine too? Let's say if it doesn't get any better, doesn't commit, and all of a sudden you're the son now, and players are complaining like, "Ah, oh, Deion Sanders doesn't care, doesn't know what he's doing," and then you're just the son sitting there like, "Ah, oh, well." What oh yeah. We gonna...
1: If you're not all in, it's if a bad you're not spot. Behind, yeah, if you're not behind that desk and working the whiteboard and going over the going over the schemes and, and, and breaking down the film and out there on the practice squad or practice field, those players are well within their right to call you out in the media because I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop. I do not like this. It makes me nervous. Because I like Deion Sanders so much, and I want him to have a good reputation. I really do. And I think this is going to hurt his reputation over time. Is that work or shoot?
0: That's going to be it, because we are up against the break.
1: Boy, that's a tough work or shoot. Coming up here in a little bit, you have finally seen it. Somebody has finally seen the light. At least one of you have. And he's a show host right here on CBS Sports Radio. Also, my favorite quarterback to watch in the NFL right now. And Jerry Jones sings the siren song to NFL coaches. Avoid it by all costs. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio.
2: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.